Welcome to the first episode of Cloud Control, a podcast about cloud ops and everything cloud-related. We're joined by Phoebe Go, Principal Technical Evangelist for NetApp. I've brought Phoebe in to kind of talk about the general state of the cloud in 2023, what people are experiencing, what the NetApp cloud portfolio can offer you across the, the different brands and the different things that you may hear about. And so Phoebe, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Sean. I'm so excited to be here. And I love that this podcast is called Cloud Control because I I feel like I'm a cloud wrangler. Sometimes I'm sure everybody, you know, listening to this kind of feels like that too. Like it's kind of like just getting out of your hands and it slips out and kind of getting a handle on it is it, without kind of restricting anything is so important. And it's just timely. It's perfect timing to be doing this. So thank you for having me as your first guest. <laughs> and thanks for joining us. It's, I think one of the reasons we wanted to bring you in is NetApp has a very large portfolio of different cloud tools between the Spot portfolio with Instacluster, Cloud Checker, and Spot, and all the service offerings in, in that side of the portfolio. But really, NetApp has a large cloud portfolio for people that are migrating from on-prem have a hybrid environment or have different use cases that are outside of what the normal spot portfolio. Can you walk us through what a couple of those are? Yeah. Well, from a NetApp perspective, I mean, people might know NetApp, they might not, um, you know, in, in enterprise storage, it's, it's a pretty well-known name, but, um, more, more yeah. recently with the acquisition of spot and some of the developments that we're, we're making, it's, it's kind of expanding beyond just, you know, storing your data. And that's because going back to that point, you know, people are trying to make sense of, their investments in the cloud, they're realizing that maybe the cloud isn't the best place for everything, or maybe it's a different cloud provider, or maybe there's some weird combinations. So NetApp is in a perfect position to really support enterprises and, and you know organizations on that journey, figuring out where they sit. And, and a long time ago, we used to joke that we were kind of like the neutral space between all of the clouds. And I still like that kind of approach because really it depends what customers want. So some of the products, obviously, with a background in storage and data management, we have some really great storage technologies that either connect your data center storage to the cloud, um, things like making it easier to move data around between cloud providers, or even running um, enterprise-grade storage in the cloud. We are providing the performance, the availability, the security, all those kinds of features that customers are used to in the data center on-premises and making that available in the cloud. And then also now exposing that data management to applications through, you know, things like Astra Trident, which is a way for Kubernetes to take advantage of um, the, all that, those great data features and the security and the uh, capabilities. So it's a really nice, there's a, there's a huge portfolio. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of things NetApp's doing in this space. We work, you know, all those products are working really well together. And now we've brought Spot in and there's, there's some really, really cool integrations that I've heard about that I don't think I can talk about yet, but um, maybe you can, uh, about, you know, how, how we make that entire cloud experience easier and uh, safer and just, yeah, more enjoyable in general. <laughs> From a practitioner perspective, I'm like, yes, it should be enjoyable. <laughs> cloud should be fun. <laughs> You're right. And it totally should be. And I think the thing that we get hung up on a lot is the nuances of using the cloud, right? We we get so used to it. We forget that part of the reason that we got into this space, at least for me, is the ability to play around and experiment and try new things with low risk. And I think that as we get into the day-to-day -day grind as practitioners and DevOps professionals, we, we tend to forget that. And so we, we don't get a lot of opportunity to play and explore and broaden our reach 
how did you get into the technical world and coming into working for NetApp as a technical evangelist? And what does that role do? Like, what, what does your role do within the NetApp organization? Yeah, I think you were talking about me. I was going to say, you know, CloudOps is that thing that when I hear CloudOps and I go, oh gosh, that's like that, that term, what does it mean? I really think about like, who are the people doing it? Because they're the ones who have to make CloudOps successful. They have to make the cloud successful. I came from an operations background. I just, the, the short history was I realized I wasn't cut out to be a software developer. I found infrastructure. I loved infrastructure and, uh, you know, one thing to, led to another. I got, um, I got to work at NetApp. NetApp is a fantastic company with a lot of innovation and a lot of amazing people such as Sean. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I was working, you know, with NetApp technology for several years, um, before I kind of made the move into more of a cloud evangelist role. And that was because I could see so much potential. This, like you said, it's the ease of getting into it, the innovation of the things that you can suddenly do when you have access to these technologies in, you know, available as a service with a credit card, that was really exciting to me. And I wanted to bring that, the knowledge as well as the passion that I have for it to, I mean, to the enterprise, really. I think businesses can get really hung up on IT as a cost center, IT is boring, IT is slow. And it, it doesn't have to be. And that's why I'm so excited about both the cloud and the, the possibilities, but also, you know, what I do and what my company does, what NetApp and Spot do, which is make that, make those possibilities more frictionless. You're 100% correct, especially when it comes to how people view the practitioners and the IT professionals, right? I had a boss that, <laughs> that kind of described it. He said, you're the dentist of the company. And I looked at him and I said, what do you mean? And he's like, you're the guy that nobody <laughs> wants to go see when they've got, until they've got a problem. And then they're just glad as hell that you're there and can fix their problems. And that's, I think that's the thing that we have to remember as practitioners in this space, where right? IT, be it cloud, be it DevOps, right? The, the the cloud is such a ubiquitous term that I think we lose track of what it really means and how many areas of a business that it really impacts. Yeah, and operations, uh, you know, maybe I'm biased because I came from ops, but operations is it, it keeps it running, and it, it yeah, when you don't notice it, it's doing its job, but um, it's so powerful and and. I think there's also a sense of creativity for me in ops, which is, okay, how can I do this better? You know, how can I do this more efficiently or how can I, uh, you know, automate more of it? And so that creativity and the different perspectives that it really, it encourages. Yeah. For me, it's personally really fulfilling. <laughs> for sure. What trends are you seeing? And as we get into 20, we're, we're, we're almost a quarter into 2023, but there's been a lot of changes in the cloud industry. We see people making a lot of efforts. What are you seeing on your side? Because you work, NetApp is such a unique company because it's the spot organization. We see a different business segment than a lot of the mainline NetApp people do. And so you see a lot of enterprise. What are you seeing on the enterprise side that we should be looking out for and talking about in 2023? Yeah. The things that I'm seeing, I feel are those things that permeate everything, right? Like it's, you can't, ignore it it's like uh -huh. it's there in our existence and so even if you're not directly impacting it or or able to do anything about it and those things are like things like security right ransomware is the number one i think it's on every search every news article i read everything that i'm looking at today says hey 
security, 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 make sure you're securing everything. And, and what I'm trying to think about is, okay, like at an organizational level, that's important, but then you add a more individual contributor, like how can I make sure that I'm secure? How can I make sure, for example, that I'm not saving passwords in GitHub? Uh, like I read today, um, or I bought SSH keys or, uh, you know, making sure that I am being a good citizen, corporate citizen. So security is a huge one. I want to say it's complexity and people trying to wrangle the clouds. Like I said at the beginning, it's trying to make sense of this sudden burst of innovation. You know, as time progresses, um, the rate of innovation just keeps going up. Uh, I was looking at something like hard drives, for example. I was looking at hard drives to SSDs, and now we're running on, you know, these flash drives and what's next. And it's just the the amount of time between each innovation is getting smaller and smaller, which means we have to keep up with that. So that's just one technology. But if you add in multiple cloud providers, you add in technologies like AI and um, some of the generative AI that's really big right now, we're trying to keep up with that. It's getting more and more complex. The needs are greater. I mean, I guess the third one to have a rule of threes is, is cost. And um, this is the year to look at what's going on and say, could we do that more cost efficiently? I think that's every year, but I feel like it's kind of like a new resolution. You always say every year, this is the year we're going to spend less money or we're going to make make better value out of our investment. And I think we can't not talk about it. We've uh-huh. got to understand how we're spending our budgets. Right. And I think that as we get into 2023, we've already seen a bunch of macroeconomic headwinds, right, that we weren't anticipating coming into 2023. And I think that FinOps is going to take, I think you're right, FinOps is going to take a much bigger role and focus in cloud-centric organizations to the point where they're looking at moving back from the cloud to on-prem and talking about the issues that go around that and the the amount of complexity that a shift from the cloud is going to make is something that we should talk about in 2023 as well. Wow. Yeah. There's so many, I mean, there's so many topics. Hey, I have a question for you. FinOps is, uh, yeah, it's probably a term that I started hearing a couple of years ago and it's, it's, it's got its own foundation. It's got a lot of practitioners now. Um, but I guess a question is for, for you is kind of, where do you see FinOps, uh, this year? Like how established is it and and what should people know about it? Well, I think it's really new. I think that uh, the idea of calling of taking a department name and throwing ops behind it to show how integrated it is is the new buzzword. But I think that it's always been there. We just keep calling it different things, right? It doesn't matter. When you look at the cloud and we made the move over the last decade where we've taken IT from a capital investment to a capital expenditure, in businesses, it, it, it's the natural evolution of where that was going when we started. But I think that looking out, we really need to talk about what are are you using your cloud to its most efficient? Because FinOps is about spending money, but it's also about utilizing the resources that you have to 100% capacity. And, you know, the spot portfolio helps you do that. But there are also so many other tools that come out and can help you get onto that journey in addition to the spot portfolio, right? They can help you track those costs. They can help you find all the volumes that you forgot about from two years ago and you took a bunch of snapshots and, well, they didn't get deleted like we thought they were going to. And so I think looking at that and then looking at how we re- how we allocate, right? Is there a cheaper way to leave things running over the weekend that don't need 100% capacity? 
right? Do I need that 15 node cluster of containers running over the weekend because it's hosting my staging environment? Well, if we could scale to zero, it makes that so much easier to really justify some of the investments that we make in the cloud as part of the product development lifecycle, but also from an operational perspective where we can take that money and reinvest it into the products that we're shipping and giving to our customers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think I think when I hear you explaining it um, and, and thinking about ops again and what that means, you know, for people day to day is it's not a one-off thing. It's that continuous Hey, you know, every day I got to think about what, what does tomorrow bring and what am I doing to make tomorrow more efficient? So mm -hmm. and, yeah, that's a nice Efficiency way of and sustainability are two huge things that people are looking at, right? And yes. they go hand in hand. If I'm leaving things on that I don't need to leave, I'm paying a higher power bill and I might not be paying it directly to AWS as a power line item, but somebody's paying for it somewhere. And that increase is going to get passed on to me and other customers if I don't do it right. Yeah. Sustainability is huge. And yeah, coming from the data management world, storage is one of the biggest culprits, right? You have, like like you said, do I really need things running there? And I probably have so many uh, photos and files that I've just kept, you know, and that's just me as one individual with my, I'm not going to say how many systems at home, you know, and I think about that at scale and yeah, it's it's not getting easier. <laughs> You know, it makes it every every new iPhone makes it easier to take bigger pictures and better videos and every new application, you know, even AI makes it well, we want all of the data sets. We want to train on everything. So nope. we have so much data out there. So yeah, sustainability simply from a how can I make sure that I am planning appropriately and making good decisions about where to put that is huge. Yeah. And another thing that I think that we forget about, we talk about sustainability from a carbon footprint and power usage, but a lot of these data centers are cooled by water. <laughs> and if you look out west, and and I've got a unique view because I live out west, I might be in the middle of a 40-year snow event and have more snow than I know what to do with, but there have been years where we have no water, right? The reservoirs run dry. They shut down boating. They shut down access to all these things. And we talk about, we hear about constantly about major rivers getting to Deadpool status where there's not enough water to do what they need to do. And that that also comes into it is how we're cooling these data centers as well. You're talking to an Aussie. I mean, drought right. is, is, when I was growing up, it was literally, I mean, I don't remember a time when we didn't have water restrictions. It's a kind of scary thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's there's, there's a lot to it. We've got to look after our planet 100%. So let's do some quick hits. Hit me with what you're hearing in the end around the industry about things that practitioners want to hear. Um, they want to know how to do it easier. I think it's got to be, um, you know, all the tips and tricks. I think they want to know what is uh, the best way. People want to know what's, you know, there, there is no best way. Yeah, I'm just going to give it away now. There is no best way. There's a lot of it depends. Uh, and there's a lot of different ways. So I think they want to hear from people who've done it before and what is, um, yeah, what some of the caveats are of doing it particular ways into solving problems a certain way, using certain technologies and tools, things that they might not have thought of. I've got one for you. Um, yeah. What is something that you wish everybody knew about cloud ops? Something I wish everybody knew about cloud ops is 
that we're your partners in the organization. We're not your roadblock. I think that too many people see DevOps and platform engineering as gatekeepers. And it's not about keeping the gate closed. It's about controlling who gets in and who gets out and doing it in a way that makes sense for the business to be sustainable and secure because we have so much writing on really a team of three to five people. Usually you get into larger organizations, they get bigger and they're, you've got your security team, your DevOps team, your platform team. But in some of these small mid-sized businesses, all those are rolled into a core group of three to five people. And they're also essential that people get hung up on what we do and why we do it. But security and compliance is not about gatekeeping. It's about making sure that we're protecting the interests of the company so that we have a place to come into work in the morning. Yeah. Security is your friend. It is. <laughs> Despite what you may have heard, security is your friend. Yes. All right. You're one for you. Platform engineering or DevOps? Which one, which one is it? Uh, I stand by DevOps being a series of practices and a culture and approach to looking at things such as platform engineering. So I would say uh, DevOps is the, is the, how would I say that? Um, DevOps is the how and platform engineering is the what, although the platform engineering ends up with a platform, like an internal uh -huh. developer platform or what have you. That's my approach. What about you? DevOps is the methodology. Platform engineering is putting that methodology into practice, right? DevOps is the tool set of how to make things less reliant on one person or run groups so that groups are working together. Platform engineering is the outcome of DevOps. What does every good platform engineering team need? Two things. Coffee? No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Three things. <laughs> Three things. Three things. Uh, uh, a leadership vision of what the leadership wants to accomplish. A manager who will go to bat and help realize that vision and lots of coffee i'm surprised you didn't say any technology right technology is technology is the easy part right because if you throw <laughs> and i say that a little bit loosely but technology yes. if i throw technology i can train anybody to the, use the technology i can't train you to be strategic and, and see the vision and and what what we're trying to accomplish or what the end result is I can throw you in front of a tool and say, go learn, the, go learn this tool and how to integrate it into our product to do X. That's easy. Getting somebody to see the big picture of where we want to be 5, 10, 15 months from now, two years from now, that's the harder one. And getting people to buy into that vision is what really has to happen to make DevOps as a methodology and platform engineering as, an, as a career or as a, as a trusted partner inside of an organization work. So you're saying Kubernetes isn't the answer? <laughs> Kubernetes is always Kubernetes is the 42 of DevOps. It's always the answer in some way or fashion. It is, yeah. <laughs> Tech that you wish more people would talk about. Kubernetes. People... <laughs> I wish more people would talk about getting started with automation. I think once you're in... It's like every it's like everything becomes a nail and you've got this massive hammer that you can just hit everything with. But I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like, what do I automate first? Where do I start? How do I teach other people to use automation and get them into the habit of doing it? It's a cultural thing, right? To think like uh, 
think in a system rather than thinking in these one-off solutions. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think that's one thing I, I wish we would. I wish we'd teach it in school. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if we'll ever get there. No, I think the basics of automations are something that everybody should take. I mean, they, they, it's one thing that I really feel that the cloud provider certifications leave out is an automation 101, right? Like going in, this is how you can automate our cloud from the from the day you start, right? And here's how something as simple as automating IAM onboarding for a user, right? Something that you can start that's really low hanging fruit that has high value, that's low effort, high value. Just controlling how people sign into your cloud is a huge win. And if yeah. you can automate that and make it so that your developers are empowered to do things a little bit more freely on their own because you've put those controls in place, I think it'll, it, it, you will see quick results for how it changes your platform engineering and DevOps experience. Yeah, I, I think that's so that's so true. I think there's this over uh, rotation towards like simple when I'm not looking for simple, I'm looking for easy. I don't know if there's a, I see this definition difference where I'm kind of like, I don't want it to like, I don't, don't hide everything from me, but make it really easy for me to uh -huh. do that. That is the power of automation. Like it should be so easy. It looks simple, but yep. it's not simple. You want to hit me with one? Oh, let me think of one. Yeah. You mentioned it. So cloud certifications, who needs one? Which one do you get? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> cloud certifications. I think everybody who works in what whatever cloud that you touch, you should have at least the base certification right out of the gate. They're they're easy. AWS makes cloud practitioner really easy. The Azure fundamental the Azure fundamentals course is really easy. Um, GCP's fundamentals is really easy, low barrier to entry. And then I think you do uh, solutions architect. The, uh, they call them different things in the different clouds. Solutions Architect is the general practice, and then security, and then you start going for your pros. But I think everybody, even sellers in in a sales org, who are sell, if you're selling a SaaS product, you need to know how the cloud works in theory. And I think that the Azure fundamentals, the Google fundamentals, and the AWS cloud practitioner are really the everybody should have if you work in a cloud organization. Yeah, language, right? Like I think uh -huh. I think the the fundamental practitioner certs give you the vocabulary to be able to talk to your technical team if you're non-technical and to your sales team if you're if you are technical. So it crosses that barrier and it makes everybody just talk cloud as opposed uh -huh. to oh, he's the business guy, he's the tech guy. So yeah, right. I I think so. I think vocabulary I I was I was this close to being an English major reasons I didn't go down that path <laughs> and um language is still so so important even mm -hmm. in tech for me yep well and I think the other thing is it, certifications really changed my career and people look at me and they go you've been in this for 20 years you started in the cloud you started in the cloud after you'd been in for 15 years why did those change your career they expanded my network they expanded how I could talk to people and how I met people because when you have those certifications you end up when you go to the trade shows, you end up with the certified people and it's kind of like this little badge of honor. And I keep all my conference badges because I'm a dork and tech, <laughs> but they all have the little certified logos on all the different badges and the, of these shows that I go to. And it's like a little camaraderie. It's a little club and people see that you're certified or you're wearing one of the certified shirts. It really opens up your network. And then so much of this industry is based on not what you know, but who you know and what you learn, Right. And how you ingest that new information and expanding your network with other practitioners is going to be huge. And that's really one of the reasons behind 
wanting to start this podcast was to give people who might not have that network in, established yet a way to have some talking points to go into and get those networks and have the confidence to go say, yeah, you know what? We've talked about this. I heard these thought leaders talk about it. And I'm not calling myself, I'm talking about the future guest, but I've heard these people talk about these topics and I've explored them and now I'm passionate about them. And I just think that that's so cool to watch when that light goes on, that people just want to be a part of this community. It is a great community and there are some really excellent, excellent people in it and everybody should join. They should. I've got one more for you. Okay, hit me. It may not make it to production because it's a, it's a, what's your favorite, what's your favorite spot portfolio product? Oh, <laughs> my favorite spot portfolio product. There are PMs like waiting. And they're going to be texting you after yeah. going, you didn't say <laughs> My boss is going to watch this and he's going to go, you didn't say filament. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I think my favorite and the one that fascinates me the most is Ocean and what they've built into Ocean. Because Ocean, while it was originally Kubernetes, we've seen it pipe out to Ocean CD and the continuous deployment and how it can integrate with deployment pipelines and do canary deployments easily. I've seen how we do it for Ocean for Spark. There's some cool stuff that's coming down in the Ocean product line that I think is really going to blow people away when it comes to the management of Kubernetes. So give me the Spot Ocean in 25 or the last version. Spot Ocean autom it's begins, you, begins your automation journey and helps you launch optimized infrastructure from the start so that you can start realizing immediate savings and performance gains by by putting you on the most optimized infrastructure and bin packing packing your pods on the nodes in the most efficient way that you can that's more than 25 words but that's a, probably as short as you can get something about kubernetes it's awesome it, it is a really it's cool I, it's again it's taking that concept of automating something making it look so easy uh and and immediately just making your life better so boom i've got one more like for it. you and then we'll call Ooh. it Okay. What is your favorite NetApp product? Uh, the one you would go out and buy. If you weren't working for NetApp, you'd go out and make sure that you had it at any company that you worked at. Okay. So NetApp has a an amazing uh, product. It's a service now in BlueXP. It's called um, BlueXP Compliance. It was a um, previously called DataSense. It was a company that we acquired. It came out of their IP that were called Cognigo. Um, it looks at your data wherever it is, you know, on files, in databases, in uh, cloud, on premises, and it it initially, you know, it can just scan that data and tell you, hey, you've got it, which is always, <laughs> I mean, that's my favorite thing. The first thing is, oh, I didn't know I had that. I didn't know I had 20 copies of that. But then it can look at whether it's... Um, it's in compliance, like whether there is privacy information, like somebody's personal information in their credit card info, social security, or, you know, in depending on which country you're in, it could be different personal data that should not be living in certain places and you can do something with it. So it does three things that I really like. It gives you visibility. It gives you actionable, you know, something you can action. And it's, it's just, it's that immediacy of it that I really like. It's not, I have to wait and scan and pay so many millions of dollars to go and read through some complicated report. It's just, no, it's there. So it becomes usable. I think that's the third thing. Yeah. It's amazing. I love it. Um, they don't give me any kickbacks. Yeah, I just get time. to talk about, I get to talk about it. So that's my, 
That's good for me. Okay, now <laughs> I've got one. Now I've really got uh, one more. Uh, the, the real last one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite? What is your favorite tech to play with outside of work stuff? When you're just jamming on your own, what do you like to jam on, and what what gets you going? What gets me? Well, I'm a nerd. I play the piano, so and music is my. It's programming without programming. You know, I don't know if anybody's a musician, you you get it. And if you're not a musician, you're like, you're weird. Uh, it's, there's something about the way that like music comes together. That is just, it's my passion. Nobody's ever asked me that on a podcast before. Uh, really? So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I think it's always yep. interesting what people have as hobbies. Like what, like uh, my partner and I during the pandemic picked up well, she's always been into gardening, but um, gardening has always kind of been fascinating to me. But watching it in practice is what we picked up during the pandemic, and we built out our garden. And that is really kind of, cool. That watching us watching how seeds start and work their way to being something that I throw onto a barbecue and make salsa with is just fascinating to me. And and so I love learning what people do outside of the tech industry because we get so bogged down and we've had so many late nights. It's just kind of fun to see what makes the humans, the humans behind DevOps, right? I'll, t- I'll tell you what, one of the things, my one of my passions, I guess, in this industry is finding analogies for things. I mean, they're not always one-to-one, but mm-hmm. that's what I find is like, and I was thinking there's got to be a salsa analogy for building a multi-cloud. <laughs> It's spicy. <laughs> oh yeah, it sure does, and it's delicious. Wait. And, and, <laughs> well, reinvent is fun, so I guess it reinvents the salsa of cloud computing. Right? Rein- like, reinvent your salsa. Uh, there you okay. go. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks for taking the time with us today. Uh, really appreciate your insight and your answers. It was a lot of fun, just kind of going back and forth. This has been Cloud Control signing off, and we'll see you in the cloud. <laughs>